0: Welcome to the Dear NICU Mama Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Martha. And our mission is to connect the past and the present NICU mom by celebrating our stories and what our babies have overcome. Whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone.
1: Hi, mamas, and welcome to the Dear NICU Mama Podcast. It's me, Martha, and my dear, dear friend, Ashley. <laughs> I, I've i missed the podcast for some reason. I feel like it's been a little bit since we were uh, recorded. So I've missed you, Ashley, and I've missed our
0: conversations. And I I've missed our listeners. I know. <laughs> Such a special group of people that tune in.
1: <laughs> I know. And of course, again, this is from our hashtag pandemic series. So we're doing it remote so I don't get to see my good friend while we record. But um, regardless, all of our episodes are so special, as you know, and sometimes you have the opportunity to interview moms, to hear about their journeys in the NICU, um, and sometimes you have the opportunity to interview experts and and people in the fields of mental health and support and wellness, and today we have a really wonderful special guest. Her name is Kayla Craig. Can you say hi, Kayla? Hello, I'm so happy
2: to be here.
1: <laughs> welcome, welcome. Kayla is a really special person. Um, she's the founder and writer for Liturgies for Parents. Um, although she's not a NICU mom, she has a a child that has been in the PICU, so she's experienced that that um, hardship and trauma that can go along with medical complex children and and the and the difficulties you can experience during medical trauma. Um so we are so glad that you're here. Um and and Ashley, this is a little bit different for us, right? Because we haven't had the opportunity to talk about how faith can play a
0: role in healing during and after the NICU, right? Yes, absolutely. And we chose Kayla specifically, too, because we, well, as a team, we follow her liturgies for parents' posts, and we're always sharing them with each other because they're so beautiful and so timely. But also, we wanted to be really intentional with who we have share about faith because we didn't want... Extra fluff. We didn't want extra, you know, something that you'd see on a Hobby Lobby sign, if you will. (laughs) So we were really intentional to choose Kayla for this episode because we just have no doubt that she'll share with true honesty and also offer a lot of hope. And we know that for many of our mamas, faith and your relationship with Jesus and Christ is really, really important, but may feel challenged in the midst of trauma. So just know you're not alone in that. And we hope that this episode offers. Some hope in that journey as well.
1: Yeah. So Kayla, can you talk a little bit about your journey as a mom? Uh, because I know it's multifaceted, and also what led you to create liturgies for parents?
2: Yes. So I will try to like summarize my <laughs> journey as a mom <laughs> That's in, you. I'm in order to ask you. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. So I have four great kids that keep me on my toes constantly. Um, Joseph was one when he was adopted from Nigeria and he's ten now, which makes me feel super old. So <laughs> how is that possible? <laughs> and then we have Asher who is in second grade and he is a biological son. And then we adopted our daughter Eliza when she was two and a half, three weeks old. Um And that was a domestic adoption, a special needs adoption. She has Down syndrome, Um, and we can talk more about uh, her later. And then we have Abram, and I was actually pregnant with Abram when we adopted Miss Eliza, and so they are both four. Years old. And like I said, it's they keep me on my toes I'm constantly, you know, <laughs> making coffee, reheating coffee, <laughs> yeah. doing all of that. And um, I'm a, a writer by trade. My background is in journalism. So I have written for newspapers and magazines. I also have a background in podcasting. So I'm really mm. excited to join you guys today. Uh, but I was up late one night, early this year. So early 2020 before things really got wild. And and I was um, praying for my kids and realizing that all four of my kids were going through such different things. And I thought about how I wished I was exhausted and I wished that I just had some sort of written word that I could follow along with. As, um, as I was praying, I wanted to pray for their minds, their hearts, their bodies, their souls, and I kind of had this idea, well, what about if I wrote prayers? And what about if those prayers didn't ignore the hard things? And what about if those prayers really kind of leaned into what we're seeing in the world around us and weren't, you know, cliche or cheesy or something that, um, you know, just makes you feel good for a minute but doesn't really get to the heart of what you're really praying for. And so I just kind of started sketching down um, some ideas, and it kind of was just the right time for it. I, I started on Instagram, Lethargies for Parents, and it just kind of, other parents connected and started sharing, and now I am working on a book with Tyndale that will come out <gasps> oh, next fall. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Exciting. Yeah. And will that will that be
1: a book of liturgies or yes, it will be
2: it will be a book a collection of prayers for parents that doesn't ignore um, kind of the realities that we are raising our children in hard um, topics you know and then also like the ordinary seeing seeing the beauty in in raising kids when a crisis isn't happening and it's just kind of that mundane too so
0: I I hope that
2: it's a gift for other parents oh,
0: beautiful oh my goodness is there a way to pre-order your book <laughs> <laughs> it will not yet we're in the
2: early stages but it's it's slated to be coming out next fall so I'll
0: definitely keep wow. you all in the loop yes please do we will absolutely pre-order that <laughs> <laughs> I love it um was faith a big part of your life and in your journey prior to becoming a mom yeah you know I think
2: We're always on a journey, whether we understand it or know it or have the words to put to it. We're all kind of exploring what it is to be ourselves, what it is to understand the world around us, to, you know, I would say love my neighbor and love God and maybe somebody who isn't a person of faith is still kind of exploring how to interact with the world around them, how to be kind, how to understand the good and the bad and, and put, words and understanding, um, to how we function in this world, you know? So, Mm -hmm. um, I have myself been on a faith journey, you know, since I was a little girl raised kind of in and out of the church. I uh, met my husband who grew up in a very different faith background, a lot more traditional, um, someone maybe say fundamental, um, you know, he was homeschooled. His dad was a pastor, just a very different experience of God and of church than what I had experienced. And then together, um, we kind of created our own, you know, path and exploration of who Jesus is and, and what church could be. And, um, he, actually through lots of winding himself as a pastor now, Mm -hmm. um, and kind of in his own journey. And so I think we're always changing and growing and experiencing, um, the love of Christ in, in new ways. So Mm -hmm. that was, yeah, definitely faith has played a role in, in my parenting and what I, um, you know, even just how our family has grown, um, through, through
0: birth and adoption. So, yeah. And would you mind sharing just a little bit about your daughter's PICU journey and what kind of led you to the PICU and then what your experience was like in the PICU? Absolutely.
2: So our sweet daughter, Eliza, um, has Down syndrome and she had a cold that just got worse and worse and worse. And her she was um, three at the time. And she, her breathing started to become labored and, you know, as a a mom, you just kind of have an inclination that something isn't quite right. And it was, of Mm -hmm. course, late at night on a Sunday. Um, Right. And I, and that's how it always is. And I I called a nurse and she was like, you probably need to bring her into the emergency room. So I drove, you know, it was winter, cold, Mm -hmm. bundled up, um, thought we might stay a night so I packed a a bag you know brief you know just kind of throw in some pajamas and contact solution you know like the very necessities (laughs) and um, once I kind of told them in the ER waiting room what was going on they were like we need to get her back pretty quickly and then as they started taking her vitals they were like things started to change really really fast and they brought her in to the emergency room and all of a sudden it was you know flooded with doctors and nurses and I'm just standing there in my winter coat in shock as they take my baby away and start um doing all sorts of fluids and bringing her in on a bed and all sorts of things and getting her on oxygen um and her oxygenation had been super low and we had no idea. And they said things can just change on a dime. Um And so she, they got her kind of stabilized and in oxygen and she was, you know, on my lap and things were okay. And she was in the normal, you know, pediatric level for a while. And then the oxygen just wasn't enough, wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. And so after some nights, um, you know, my husband and I, switching and being, some of us would be home with our other kids. One of us would be home with our other kids, you know, and like switching the days and nights. So if somebody was always with Eliza, um, in the middle of the night, I got a call. It was my night to be home with our kids. And my husband said, they're transferring us to the you. She needs, mm-hmm. she needs more, um, support. And that was terrifying for us because we mm-hmm. had never had that experience, um, before. And then, um, things started to get really scary from there and she ended up um, needing to be intubated and Mm -hmm. her body was just so sick and it was going into what we didn't know at the time but it was going into sepsis and it was just a Mm -hmm. virus that had turned into pneumonia and it was just attacking her little body Mm -hmm. and she was just fighting so hard um, and it was so scary and so you know, you, you both know what it's like to feel so helpless and just wish that Mm -hmm. you could put yourself in your baby's position and, and take away their pain. And, you know, you're doing whatever you can and you're researching and you're, Mm -hmm. um, going to the, the huddles with the doctors and nurses in the morning. And actually a doctor thought I was a nurse (laughs) (laughs) because you're always here (laughs) and you're (laughs) asking questions and, Mm um, you know, but it was really scary, and then she was on a ventilator, um, and that wasn't doing enough, and so she had to be on something called an oscillator, yeah. which shook her little body and, and opened up those lungs, and, you know, she was just on so many machines, and we were in a huge room, and it was just full, full of tubes and beeps and and machines, um, and it, it was so, so scary, and it was just waiting, day after day you know and it just felt like is this ever ever going to end and um they almost had to put her on ECMO which Mm -hmm. is yeah yeah. Yeah. you probably know what that is um and we were by the grace of God that didn't happen but it was still just absolutely terrifying and those were some of the hardest times of our lives. We're trying to keep life normal for our kids at home, and right. then, you know, sleeping on the little plastic bed, um, barely sleeping at all. Trying to, you know, listen to what's going on in the hospital room, and trying to juggle just all all of life and all of the questions that came with it. And it was actually, um, in. When we were in the PICU, I received a book of kind of short, modern prayers, um, and that helped me a ton, and that was actually um, something that propelled me to want to write liturgies for parents is because having somebody else's words that I Mm -hmm. could make my words to pray um, was so pivotal in a time when I was like, I know I need to pray for my baby, but I do not have Any words left in me, I have no idea what to pray. I don't understand how God could let this happen. Um, And having something that I could feel rooted to was um, really, really important to me. So, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: And if I can ask, and I, I'm hoping our listeners see why we invited you to be on here, because obviously, there are so many parallels between Mm -hmm. what you experienced and what Mama's experienced in the NICU, and. Um, like you said, the, the terror of having your child rushed away from you and yeah. seeing them be intubated and on really functional life support, which is, it's, it's awful. And um, it strips you of any feeling of control and parenting, which like, we feel like we have no control anyway. Yeah. Uh, right. But um, I wonder too, you know, cause I, I've now been through this a couple of times um, and, each time I, I had such a different experience of like what I felt was the presence of God during that time. And I wonder if you could talk about how how it felt in the moment immediately as the, you know, the days in the the hospital went to the PICU and they lingered on, you know, what did you feel and, and
2: how did you um, navigate that relationship with God? Yeah, I think first I just felt so much exhaustion that it was like... I don't even know what I believe at this point. Like I'm just trying to get through the day, you know, I'm, I'm scared. Like you said, complete, um, of loss of control or illusion of control that we think we have. And then seeing that we're, we don't have that. Um, you know, it's really unsettling. And so we would have, well-meaning friends and family and church family, um, want to come visit and support us. And they would say things, um, you know, in a, in a well-meaning attempt to be comforting. Um, but, but in that moment, it just felt really trite and like, well, that's easy for you to say because your baby isn't being kept alive by a hundred machines right now, you know? And, um, it just, it was it was so hard, and I don't think there is a ribbon to tie around how scary and devastating that is and mm-hmm. yet, I had a sense of hope that i I like to say, um you know, I'm a stubborn person and I'm a stubborn in hope. It's something mm-hmm. that I kind of dig my heels in i I believe no matter what that, that God is with me, um, in the, in the darkness and, and in the suffering and in the sorrow. Um, and, and I do think that's true and you know, it showed up, I feel like God revealed himself to me in little ways, you know, and one of them, I was just so exhausted and it was just kind of one of those days where she, she had been stabilized and she was okay, but it was just a waiting game you know, she's mm-hmm. just, she's sleeping. and She's on life support. And we're just waiting for those numbers mm-hmm. to get to where they need to be. And you, you know, watching all those machines yeah. and you know, mm-hmm. every single number and you know what they should be. And you know, when it starts to be scary. And so you're watching and I was just sitting there exhausted and watching the numbers and listening to the beeps and a woman came into the room to clean and she was you know can i can i clean your floors is it okay and she said how are you and i just started to cry <laughs> like just mm-hmm. somebody i just felt like she saw me and just said mm-hmm. how are you and she came over and hugged me and it just felt mm-hmm. like somebody you know life in the hospital can feel like machines like you're a machine yeah. and everybody's just doing what needs to be done and in that moment was just the shared humanity. And she was like, I'm praying for you. And mm-hmm. it just meant the world to me. And then she shared a little bit about her granddaughter and um, what had happened with her granddaughter. And it just was this moment of, you know, I think she's somebody that often is unseen too, you know, mm-hmm. in the work that she does um, and the role that she has and, and that moment. I had felt so unseen and just the shared moment of, um, being together felt like really tangible example of God's love and, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, well, God with us. And I just think that, um, is something that I will always hold dear to me.
0: What I loved so far about this episode, Kayla, is that, you know, depending on, the type of faith tradition that you grew up in, depending on like the, if you want to call it stream of church that you were raised in, sometimes those honest prayers were, I don't want to say not allowed, but they weren't encouraged. We were kind of taught to, you know, think about the positive, you know, only only give God, you know, thanks because your baby is still alive. So therefore you should be thankful, you know, however that looked in anybody's faith journey, what I've appreciated is that you've always really talked about the honesty with God, the honest prayers, you know, talking about how there wasn't a way to wrap it in a pretty bow. It was just really hard. And so I wonder if you would be willing to share about, you know, maybe what an honest prayer looked like for you when you were in the midst of that trauma with your daughter. You know, how did you pray? What did an honest prayer look like? how did it feel as you prayed it? I mean, did it come naturally? Did you have to, you know, I'd be wondering if you'd be willing to share what that looked like for you. Yeah. I think it
2: depended on, you know, the day and the time and and where I was coming from. And and sometimes I just didn't even have the words. And, you know, (laughs) scripture says that even in the wordless groans, um, the spirit intercedes and God understands. And so sometimes there was just wordless groans, you know, just yeah. crying yeah. And, and hoping that God is, is with me and understands and understands my heart. And I think of God's love as a parent and um, God understands. And that was comforting um, to me. And I tried not too much to get caught up in why. Um, And instead just remind myself as I was praying that God loves my child even more than I do. And if I love her with such a love that I would do absolutely anything for her, that I, you know, feel it in like my deepest heart and in my whole body, how much I love her, how much more... Does God love her? You know, and and that was something that I really spent a lot of time, um, kind of focusing on. And then the third thing was just when I had absolutely no words, um, reading the words of others and the prayers of others, and and finding my own, using that as an honoring up to um, a conversation with God, and and just mm-hmm. trusting that even. If I didn't have any words that like God was with me and God knew those, those inner cries of my heart and God knew every number way more than I did because God created, um, my daughter and, and he knew and he was with us and, um, somehow that would sustain us whether things turned really, really hard or, um, things got better. Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, Kayla, I think one of the most beautiful things you bring up is the idea that God is a parent and watched his child, Jesus, suffer and die. Um, And, you know, having, you know, Ashley and I both have seen our children suffer like this. Um, And I've, I've actually seen, you know, I've I've lost a child. And so that is something that I really cling to as well. Like the, the idea that if anything, um, God could empathize and was there sitting in this pain and suffering. Sometimes only that can bring comfort. And I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. Um, one thing, you know, it really reminds me too of, I don't know if you're familiar, but Angie Smith wrote a book called I will carry you. And it's about um, her daughter with trisomy 18. Um, and she also brings up the idea of, of why, you know, asking why and why you, why these things happen in our lives, you know, what, what could we have done differently that would change and, or, or what is it in, in, in God's will or whatever, you know, that, that make these things happen. And one thing she said, that's really profound. I think is that if we knew the answer, it still wouldn't be fulfilling. Right. Hmm. If, if God granted us that omniscience that he has, right. It still wouldn't um, take the ash from our mouths. Right the idea is that the hope is, is in Jesus. That, that is the only thing. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that. I think you, you have so much beautiful wisdom. And again, I cannot wait
0: to pre-order your book. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> same. <laughs> same. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love how you described liturgies or readings as a way to just give us yes. the words that we don't know how to pray. I think that was that resonated so deeply with me because, yeah, in the midst of our NICU journey, I had no words. I had mm-hmm. no idea what to pray, but it was those so simple liturgies or just simple breath prayers. Sometimes all you have to give is a breath. Mm-hmm. And so even if it's just God is with me, I will not be afraid. Sometimes that's all you have. And so I love how you described liturgies or these prayers as just – Words in place of no words, you know, because mm-hmm. <laughs> so, sometimes yes. we just don't know how to pray.
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: I wonder if you would also share, Kayla, you know, because faith was a part of your life and of your parenting journey prior to your daughter's you journey, did your faith evolve or change because of your you journey? And if it did, what did it look like after? Mm.
2: You know, Jesus is described as man of sorrows and I'm not sure I understood to the depth that I do now, um, Mm -hmm. what, what that meant. And, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking about how Jesus wept and Jesus came here and our earth and our world to be a human. And being a human is really hard. Yeah. And, and, you know, our, all of our lives look different and take us through, you know, twists and turns and, you know, things can change on a dime. And knowing that Jesus um, is, is with it, us and understands that pain and that sorrow um, is comforting to me. And I think I would not have understood that until experiencing a a time of deep pain and, you know, grief and not understanding what's happening. Um, and you know, I'd had things happen in my life before, but not to that extent. And I also think that now I, um, I have a little bit more sense of what somebody else is going through, even if their pain doesn't look like what my pain looked like like, um, just a little more sense of empathy and compassion and mercy for somebody else who is hurting, um, and might not mm-hmm. understand why, and there might not be a reason why that we will ever come to, um, on the side of heaven. But, but knowing I felt, um, a deep sense of, um, loss and of pain and a feeling alone, and maybe this other person is, and even though our stories are not the same, we have felt those same things, and mm-hmm. it somehow you know kind of unites us together mm-hmm. in some way,
0: yeah, that's beautiful, you know a lot of people think that, okay, your baby graduated the NICU now you know, the happy chapter begins or the easy chapter mm. begins, you know, and the reality for a lot of NICU moms is that their child comes home on oxygen or has right. a, med- is medically complex or, you know, has a condition that requires extensive medical treatment, etc. Yes. And so there's kind of that daily, you know, um, involvement as a parent that just looks different than maybe it would for a quote, normal baby, if you will. Right. Yeah. And so how do you infuse your faith into your everyday parenting with a child that has medically complex needs?
2: Yeah, and that, that's such a good question because Eliza is not, did not develop and is not developing in a way that even a typical child with Down syndrome would. Um, she has had a lot of uh, medical issues. Um, she had something called infantile spasms, um, which is a pretty intense. Um, form of epilepsy that really kind of hurt her brain, and so it hurt her development. Mm-hmm. And so she, um, you know, she's almost five now, which is a wild. Mm-hmm. I don't know how oh, that wow. happened, uh, but you know, she she is nonverbal, um, and you know, she can sit up on her own, but that is as far as we've gotten physically um, right now. And and so just seeing. Um, her journey and what it is to be Eliza has really taught me um, that a lot of things that I have held as what is important is really what I have taken on as what culture says is important Mm
0: -hmm. or
2: what our world values. Our world says what you can put out, your productivity is what matters. Um, The the quote unquote value you can bring, what you can do uh, means your worth. And Mm -hmm. I think what um, Parenting Eliza has really shown me is something that I was really blind to and that is it's who I am that is where my value is. I am a child of God. I reflect God's image. That is where my worth lies. It doesn't matter if I ever write a book or you know, if I ever those things are wonderful and they can be really, you know, hopefully honoring to God and helpful to people. But what Eliza shows me is she her presence is a gift and wow. and God is in Eliza and I see God in Eliza and it has nothing to do with if she'll ever you know, verbally have a conversation with me, or if she'll ever walk or run, that 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 really isn't the point. The point is yeah. that Eliza, um, yeah, is is love and and shows mm-hmm. God's love, and um, that has been really just a perspective shift for me in in how I parent all my kids, right, and mm-hmm. how I view myself and how I view God, because if this is what i really believe is that if whatever i think of god whatever theology i have if that doesn't line up with eliza then it doesn't line up for any of us right mm-hmm. so um yeah I, I, it's really been a profound shift for yeah. me. wow
1: i think you great bring up a great point and we've heard this from a lot of our mamas who are um you know just parents or parents of medically complex kiddos the idea of endurance because <laughs> this journey of parenting is lifelong. long so um, yes. some days of course we're able to negotiate our understanding of, of what's going on with our kiddos um, but I wonder if you could talk a little bit about um, what how you how you build yourself up and how you foster a relationship with God that can can endure through the, the trials that may yet to come with Eliza and just with parenting in general, you know, not to mention like global pandemics and stuff, but that that is part
0: of it I now. know <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, I know and and you know, we've been really since. Um, the very beginning, taking it so seriously as we have, you know, a child with a compromised immune system. And so it's been really isolating. And I think that's something about having a child in the NICU or the PICU or having a medically complex child or a child with a disability is it can feel really isolating. And so we're experiencing right now a very literal physical sense of being isolated, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then it really just, puts an exclamation mark and an underline on what so many of us have already felt and so it can feel really alone and like I think that's a really dangerous path that I go down sometimes is I'm the only one that feels this way nobody understands me I'm all alone um this is so hard you know and I start kind of going in that cycle and I think just remembering that um I do have people in my life that love me. And even if they haven't physically gone through what I've gone through, they love me and they care for me and and connecting, you know, like what you are doing with your podcast, you know, and just connecting with other parents, with other moms who have gone through, even if it's digital, having somebody that you can talk to, um, that says, Oh man you know, I hear you and, and I understand. And, and I felt that way too. And you're not alone. Um, I think that's so important for all of us. Um, especially when there are things in our life that are more isolating, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: That's really beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that.
2: Yeah. Girl, I'm so excited for your book. <laughs> I,
1: know, I, I have, have like it. a thousand questions that are not on this list, but I was like, Martha, can- yourself.
0: I know. <laughs> you not <laughs> I know. Oh, I love it's rabbit crazy. trails. That's like, that's, that's <laughs> what podcasts are for. Let's go. <laughs> I love it so much. Did you write a liturgy or have a liturgy in mind to read for the podcast I, episode? Today? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. And it's, you know, it's just a draft and something that I had written um and that I had had saved and I had talked to um, friends of mine who have specifically been in the NICU, um, and then kind of Mm -hmm. with my own experience. And yeah, it's just, it's just something that, you know, hasn't been edited and is very, you know, just Mm -hmm. honest and, um, raw, but
0: yeah, I would be happy to share it. Oh my my goodness. goodness. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Martha, do you have any other questions before we hop into that part?
1: Maybe a question about how you go about writing them? Is that, a, can I ask that question?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um there's no magic formula. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I really encourage people, you know, if you're stuck, um just write. You don't have to have fancy words, you don't have to have an amazing, you know, theological understanding, seminary degree. Um just write out of your heart in honest prayer to God and you don't ever have to share it with anyone. And, you know, you can write it and you can scribble out and you can crumple it up and throw it away and whatever. But I just feel like, um, for me, I'm, I'm a writer. And so I process, um, a lot, a lot of what's going on in my head and my heart through, through writing. And I just, um, you know, write, write those kind of emotions. And, and when I'm writing, um, as I've been writing my book, um, there are certain situations that I personally haven't gone through. And so my background in journalism, you know, I just, I spend time talking and listening a lot of listening to the experiences of another um, and what, what they have gone through and then just really pray um, that my prayers would be honoring to their experiences and that God would somehow use, you know, these words to comfort and, um, mean something to somebody else and their specific situation. Yeah.
1: Um, before you, you go ahead and share, I can, I can't wait. I think, um, you bring up a great point, which is maybe even if you're not someone who is acclimated to their own faith or hasn't been in, um, connected to it for your life i think often during times of crisis that's when you might confront it or maybe reach for it and start to grow that relationship with with your god and i think um i think that your suggestion to write it down and just let it go is maybe a great place to start because sometimes if you're not used to it it can feel silly to try and pray aloud right but to write it down is almost more intimate um And I think that's a really beautiful suggestion. Just, just try, just go. Yeah. Awesome. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, mamas, we have a very special treat on this episode today, not only because we had the opportunity to hear more of Kayla's journey, but also because she wrote a liturgy specifically for NICU families and NICU mamas. And she's actually going to read this liturgy here on the podcast. And so if you happen to be in a quiet, safe place and you have a moment to be alone, this might be a great opportunity to just close your eyes and take it in. Um, kind of like Kayla mentioned, sometimes liturgies are a beautiful way to give us words when we don't have them. And so we hope that this liturgy and this prayer is a way to connect with the Lord and um, hopefully just give you some peace for your day. So Kayla, thank you for writing this. And um You can read it whenever you're ready. Thank you. I'm honored to do so.
2: Oh, God, creator and sustainer of life, we come to you with all our worries and what-ifs and pray for this precious life you have brought into the world. We thank you for the gift of modern medicine, of skilled doctors and nurses who heal the smallest among us, And yet, too, we grieve for the steps forward and then back, for the tubes and machines, for the sterile rooms and fluorescent lights, for the hospital coffee and the bloodshot eyes, for the dreams put on hold or changed entirely. Lord, help us remember that you love our baby still fresh from the womb, more than we could ever imagine. For if we feel our love seep out of our chests, we know that your perfect love is big enough to hold together the tiny life so new to us, but so known to you. We wish we could take his or her suffering and make it our own. Every poke, prick, and prod, we would bear it all, If it meant he or she would be okay, and we know this kind of love comes from you, Jesus, a God who bled out in love. We pray for your presence in these hospital walls and for the times we are apart. We pray for patience when healing takes time, ounce by ounce. We pray for bonds to form and scars to heal. We are scared but no, you are strong. We are sad, but no, you are compassionate. We are worried, but no, you are good. Give us hope to imagine life together without scrubbing in. We pray for healing, and for hope to hold. Help us trust you. Help this newborn grow. Help us advocate. Help this newborn heal. Help us rest help this newborn rest. We lay all of this at your feet and ask you now to give us hope for we are weary, but you are good. Amen.
0: Well, Mamas, um, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you, Kayla, again, for being here, for wearing your heart on your sleeve and for being so transparent about your faith journey, your daughter's journey in the PICU, and also just reminding us that it's okay and actually really good to pray and write out those honest, honest prayers. And so to the NICU mama of faith today that is wrestling with words or just unsure of even how to approach God, we hope that today just offers you just some hope today to to be honest with him. He's not afraid of your honest thoughts. So Kayla, thank you again. And Mamas, we can't wait to connect with you next time.
1: If you love this podcast and would like to hear more amazing stories, please consider becoming a member of the Dear NICU Mama Patreon page. In addition to special merchandise and early access to content, Patreon members support the mission, programs, and services of Dear NICU Mama. You can find the link on the description of this episode. As always, if you'd like to hear more from Dear NICU Mama, click subscribe. Welcome to the sisterhood.